Welcome to Malcolm Reed's How to Barbecue Right, a podcast where we talk about barbecue, share recipes, and discuss all things delicious. And now, here's your host, Malcolm and Rochelle Reed. Hey, welcome back to the How to Barbecue Right podcast. I'm your host, Malcolm Reed. This is episode number 14, joined by my lovely wife, Rochelle, as always. Rochelle, what's happening today? Not much, Malcolm. We got a guest in the studio, Mr. Mark Williams from Swine Life Barbecue. That's right, Mark. How's it going, man? You feeling all right? It's going good, man. Heard, heard you've been up uh, cooking all night in this rain. Yeah, we've been. We had cooked a few buds for a little party tonight, so put them on last night. Slept all night. Oh, this morning, fish. Just let them let them do their thing, huh? Put the smoke to them. You ain't got to worry about it on that pellet grill. Yeah. What'd you go? Did you fire up the griller? Yeah, it, it doing excellent. How's that thing been cooking for you? So far, so good. I have no complaints. It's been, it's actually blew me away on some of the stuff we've done, especially, you know, Emily doing a lot of stuff on the side and desserts. It's, it's unreal. It's like cooking on an oven, but you're outdoors. And I was pretty impressed with it. Shane Draper brought one over here back there in Memphis of May, and we did those videos that, that Shane did, those different style tacos. Man, that, that grilling was a pretty neat little pellet cooker. You know, for, for what they get for it, it's well worth the money, man. It doesn't use a whole lot of pellets. I know you've, you've probably seen that. No, I think we might have run 30 pounds last weekend in Bristol. Is all we used. Just and Thursday you turned it Sunday. on. on th- you yeah. didn't turn it off till Sunday. Yeah, it was like three, four days. Man, it was unreal. The wood smoke that actually come off of it is pretty impressive, too, for a pellet grill. Because, you know, on a lot of them, you don't really taste the smoke. But that gorilla seems to put out a little more. And I'm not getting paid by, by any means. <laughs> I just That's just my observation of the stuff being cooked on it. But uh, let's first talk, before we get too far into talking to Mark, let's, uh, we always like to talk about the video we did this week. We've got 4th of July coming up, and uh, we wanted to put out something that, you know, maybe give you some ideas. And I did uh, what I called a Texas-style pork butt. I know they don't do a lot of pork butts in Texas, but this was kind of my take on one because it kind of reminded me of, of the way they do ribs uh, or the way they do brisket, where it's just simple salt, pepper, you know, on the brisket. It's the only seasonings you need. And then they smoke it with good post oak wood. And uh, I had a buddy uh, send me some, since we don't get much post oak here in Mississippi. Uh, he sent, uh, Sam sent me a box and I wanted to try it out. So um, I put some on the egg. We did, you know, I just wanted to do it. Pretty easy pork butt recipe. I mean, all I did was mix about a quarter cup of good kosher salt and black pepper together. Seasoned up old Kroger pork butt. And got a, got a fire going and, and put the smoke to it. Had that post oak, about five or six chunks of it on the coals. And man, I smoked that pork butt to 198. Doesn't get any easier than that. And you wrapped it in butcher paper too. Yeah, you know that's another Texas thing too. Of course, everybody knows aluminum foils, a Texas crutch or whatever. But I think using that butcher paper and Mark, you, I'm sure you've done this on brisket and ribs before too. It saves that bark on the outside. You keep that crunchy texture of it. You know, that really the, the best part of it to me is the bark. When you wrap an aluminum foil, it wants to kind of steam it, soften it all up. But the butcher paper absorbs some of that moisture that, that's rendering out of the meat. And so it keeps your bark a um, little bit better texture. And so that's, hey, man, it, it turned out fantastic. Do you think it takes longer when you wrap in butcher paper because you're not getting that steam effect? Um, I don't know if it takes it. I hadn't seen it take any longer. It's it's cooking about the same time. Of course, you know, I rolled at 275 the whole way, so it pushes through any stall at that temp anyway. It really is not a hot and fast butt. It still took, I think it was right at six hours, 45, almost seven hours. But then I let it rest for a couple hours in the cooler. That's the important part when you're doing a butt or a brisket, just letting it hang out. But It was something uh, different for us because, you know, we eat so much comp- competition. Pulled yeah, pork. I mean, you know, most of the time we're injecting pork butts. We're seasoning them with the barbecue rub, the AP, the, you know, glazing them up. We're doing all that stuff to them. And it's kind of jazzed up pork. I mean, and that's that is it's comp style. It's I, mean, good, I like but, it like that too. But yeah. but uh, there's something to be said yeah. for just the simplicity of salt and pepper and smoke. And that's all that recipe was. I mean, it was you know it, it, I don't know how long it was. I, I didn't look at the time. It's probably a nine minute video. Probably could have done it in two minutes because oh, this is salt, <laughs> pepper, pork butt, smoke, two seventy five. Take it off, pull it. How easy is that? But, do you ever do just salt and pepper, Mark? Oh yeah, I love salt and pepper eel. Especially even in the butcher paper. I mean, you would think no sugar on that rub, but when you put it in that butcher paper, that fat almost turns into a sugar. It still gets sticky, you know. Yeah. It's it kind of another element that's even better, you know. The butt was like that on the bottom. It kind of just the way that fat renders down and gets melty and kind of sticky. And it, I mean, it's just 
you taste the pork. You know, you taste whatever the meat is you're cooking in that butcher paper like that. And I mean, all you really need, I mean, salt and pepper, that's it. I mean, yeah. You could serve it a bunch of different ways. Sandwiches. And you kind of talked about that. Tacos. And yeah. Heck yeah, man. You could use that pork for anything once you do that. Heck, it even make like good jambalaya or gumbo. Or, you know, <laughs> I mean, you could do all kinds of stuff with it. If you just want to pull, pull uh, you know, have some pulled pork on hand, it'd freeze real well. I mean, it'd be good for adding in beans, doing all kinds of stuff with it. Well, what would you, would you do anything differently? Heck no. I'd cook another one too because it didn't last very long. I don't know. We probably had went on four and a half pounds of pulled pork. By the time we finished up the video and then had some dinner with it that night, there wasn't a whole lot left over. Yeah. After we fed a few folks. Yeah. Well, see, the stuff, the thing about that is cooking it that style, it's more eating. You know, it's, it's more for eating, not just for serving to a judge or something. So you can sit down and you can make a meal off of it. It's not too rich that way. Um, and pers me personally, I guess we've, kind of grown accustomed to eating all these different barbecue flavors i like it simple now i just i just like the meat you know and that's we get kind of burnt out on all these you know flavors and i mean of all the stuff because i guess we're around the competition side of it so much so something to be said when i cook it at home and just do it with salt and pepper yeah well let's introduce mark williams for those that aren't aware mark williams is from swine life barbecue Mark, you want to tell us a little about Swine Life? Yeah, we uh we started in 2013. Uh, I think we scared Malcolm a little bit right off the bat when I <laughs> shot him a Facebook message, say, "Hey, you want to meet up one night and kind of discuss this competition barbecue?" And we uh, I thought I had a stalker. I didn't know it was. It was <laughs> we wasn't quite there. We just wasn't sure what we was getting into. Well, let's put it. We're from we're kind of from the same town, same county anyway. Uh, you and Jamie from Hernando at the time. I was pretty much from South Haven, so. I didn't know, I didn't know y'all. I mean, y'all have been cooking for a little bit, I guess, but uh, that was my first time to to interact with you. We've done a few small backyard deals and, you know, grown to like it. I mean, this the atmosphere, the people, you can't beat it. There's nothing like it. And, of course, took the, I guess it was y'all's second Barbecue Live class. Yeah, that was back when we first started Barbecue Live, yeah. And we were doing the whole haul. We were doing the MBM. Oh, it was the spread. The KBS, KCBS, yeah. And, uh, so was what doing, was it like on that side, Mark? Because I've never been over there at Barbecue Live. It was it was intense. I mean, I literally felt like I was at school again, like trying to keep notes, <laughs> looking on somebody else's notes. And, I mean, it was, I mean, worth every penny. And, really? you know, everybody always says, you know, it's it's worth the money. You know, you get calls afterward, and it's, it's the truth. I mean, there has not been a contest since. We did not get a top 10, and that paid for itself. I want to say that next contest, after that class, y'all beat us. That was our yeah. first walk in a, like a pro division KCBS yeah. contest. I think y'all finished better than we did. And it happens all the time when we do our classes. And people come back, and they take them, and they you know, compete against us. And they don't beat us. <laughs> it felt good. It's not too. because I'm laying down, I promise you. <laughs> But, you know, we started in 2013. But y'all were doing some, uh, like, catering or yeah. fundraising way before that. Y'all are already doing barbecue. Yeah, we've been doing Had a big old hickory pit already. For years. I mean, it was, that's kind of what brought it on is, you know, we had the equipment. Let's not try, you know, try it. See where we stand. And we always thought we had a good product. And then you cook your first KCBS and you realize real quick. You got humbled <laughs> it, a little bit. Yeah, it's not so as good as you thought it was. <laughs> but it was, it was a good time. And, you know, I think it's a... A very good family sport. You know, me and my brother's always been close, and we're closer now than we ever were. It's because of that. You know, it's something we can do together. And I guess it went on from 2013, and 2015 was our first grant. And we were looking up then to go to Jack and had a what I would call a very good showing at the Jack. And to be the first year out, I'm still, that's still my, my contest. Like, that's, you want to go to the Jack yeah, every year? Every that's year. what we say, too. Well, just to clarify, your first grand was at a contest with about 100 other teams, 100 under professional KCBS teams. And at the Jack, you got a first place chicken and a first place rib? Second place rib. Second place rib. Tied for the first. Yeah. Wow. So it was a. That's, that's, that's pretty impressive yeah. right there. First place rib and a second place, same year, first year going to the Jack. Yeah. Had a good pork. And, and you should have won it. We had we had a good humble <laughs> soup with, uh, with brisket. You know, oh, it, the brisket old, kills. The old table of death yeah. got you, huh? Oh, it it, well, it was us. I'll, I'll own up to that, and we we choked on briskets. That's barbecue, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, now we've kind of got into steak cooking, and I know y'all are part of steak team. The kind of the little group we get together because it was something fun we started doing. I know y'all heard us talk about the SCA before, and 
Uh, we've had some uh, other people on here talking about the SCA, but Mark, you've been really into it too and doing well. Uh, tell us a little bit about uh, Swan Life as a state team. And the state queen. Don't, don't bring her in here. It's just, just yet. No. Um, I guess it was last year. We all sat around, and I know we both joked about the state team, and it was kind of one of them deals, like you said before, we were aggravated at a KCBS contest and was like, it's got to be something better than this, you know. <laughs> and we stuck to the guns, you know. We we cooked the PK contest last year, and that was kind of the, the first one for us to all take it serious as a group. And we started chasing it. And I think we averaged, or I think we ended up cooking 21 or 22 state contests last year from June to Fort Worth. Oh, that's way more than I did there. And, yeah. I mean, I had to get to Fort Worth, y'all. Y'all left me in the dust, so we had to get there somehow. So Come out the gate, winning one this year, didn't you? Yeah, first one this year, we was looking up the walk, and, you know, people say you got to have a perfect state. You just got to have a good state. Uh, ugly stakes win, and that was an ugly stake. I will tell you, I, we all said – that's an ugly steak. It tasted good. It tasted great. But and then I guess what we've done, we've done six or seven since then this year, haven't we? Yeah. It's been yeah, close yeah. to it. And then of course Emily, she got involved. She you know, she came up to me one day, she's like, You think I could do it? And I'm like, Yeah. I was like, put your heart to it, you can do it. And that's your wife, Emily. Yeah, that's my wife. That's the steak queen. And <laughs> it's she took it more serious than I ever thought she would. And kind of scared me a few contests. I'm like, she's really just to come out and hurt some feelings, and she has. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she's already got her win in. Both of y'all qualified for the SEA championship uh, in Fort Worth again. They both qualified for the World Foods. So I guess that's what's on tap for the, yeah. the big contest for the rest of the year. Y'all going to do any more uh, barbecue comps this year? Oh, yeah. We'll, more? we'll do all the we'll, – I know we'll do Murfreesboro. We'll do the ones that, you know, we you really want to. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. good ones. And – Right now, I mean, it's it's hard not to cook SCA. I mean, it's it's too easy. You got the same, I guess, atmosphere with half the work, you know. And and your wife's more involved. Your oh, yeah. family's more involved in the steak stuff. I bet she that likes beating you too. Oh yeah, she does. It's a long <laughs> ride home usually. Uh, when she won the first place pork at uh, Fort Worth, which she did, by the way, she won first place pork at the state world championships. And the first thing she said when she got on stage was, "I beat my husband." Because you had second. <laughs> I kind of had that on because I got third, and they called my ticket. And I elbowed her. I wanted to buy it. I was like, "Well, maybe next time," you know, and just kind of poking at her. <laughs> Come back. Of course, I was on cloud nine because I mean, third, third was awesome. Yeah, we just really started trying to push our rub, and you know, I was trying my best to stand behind it, and. It, it worked, you know, and I kind of got back. I was like, you know, I'm ready to go to the house. I'm tickled. You know, I ain't worried about nothing else. This is, this has made the trip worth it. And then I'm looking over her shoulder, and they called her ticket number. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> like, she just took first down here, and she just stood there. And she kind of looked at me. She's like, was that really my number? And I'm like, go. Like, go get that money, you know. Oh, she was excited, too. <laughs> that was well, funny when she was on stage. They were taking pictures. And she, it was like a little kid. Oh, she was in tears. I mean, <laughs> and she come back. And, you know, we all had dinner that night. And we were sitting there on the way back to the room. And she was like, you know, I never would have thought I took it this serious. And really, like, take it to heart. And that then, I knew she was hooked. hooked. I mean, yeah, there's yeah. no turning back from that. Well, we want to talk about cooking steaks today, not just contest steaks. Of course, we can talk about that if you want to. But uh, Michelle wants to know how you cook steaks at home. What, what's, the, what's the perfect Mark Williams steak? You marry the steak queen. You don't worry about it. <laughs> you let her cook them? Yeah. Man, see she does. does. I mean, probably if her dad comes over and eat, she's cooking steak. Really? And at first I was like, geez, that's like salt in the wound there. Like, I'm supposed to be the good son-in-law. And yeah. no, she cooks the steak, so... But no, since we've been competing, I'm kind of, I'll agree with you. A simple just salt and pepper steak blows me away now. And used to, I'd be like, man, you go to them high-end restaurants and you'd get that steak. There really wasn't that season. And you'd be like, man, I just paid this much money for that. And now it's like, yeah, you pay that much money for that quality of steak and it's good. Like, I'm tired of the overly seasoned and, you know, the comp steak's great, not at home. Yeah. I was going to ask you, do you cook them differently? Yes. It's salt, pepper, garlic, you know, something simple, a lot of pepper. And uh, we've got to where we do fillets now. Uh, my brother Jamie kind of turned me on this. It's just straight black pepper. Just very little salt and just coat them to where they're black with black pepper. And they're phenomenal. Really? And, I mean, I guess that fillet's kind of not really that much flavor, really, like a ribeye. So that pepper really wakes it up. And it's it's great. I mean, we enjoy that. Probably you salt it at the end? Or? Yeah. 
Yeah. Just like a coarse ground salt when it comes off, a little bit of butter on top, and it's a good eating steak. I'll have to try that. So yeah. what what y'all's cut that you cook the most at home? Are you cooking ribeyes most of the time? or It used to be fillets, but now that Emily's kind of graduated to the ribeye, I'll ask her, what steak you want? She's like, I want a ribeye. Like, she don't, That's she my don't mind. Right there. <laughs> you know, she you know, wants a ribeye. A lot of women don't like ribeyes because of the fat in them. I don't know what it is. Um, but they don't, they don't, you know, that's and Emily, she don't, she don't like the fat, but she'll cut around it. And just the meat that's around that fat, she loves. You yeah. Know? Well, Hey, I'm telling that fat's what I fat. like the ribeye yeah. because of the fat. Yeah. That's what, I mean, that's what, you <laughs> know, don't old. get me wrong. I hadn't met a bad steak, Yeah. but I mean, I like all the cuts of steaks, but the ribeye is probably the one to go to. Cause it's, I mean, it's the rich, just the fatty one, you know, that's what makes it so good. And I think cooking at home, you're not as worried about presentation. You're not trying to overdo it. You're just want to cook something you're going to sit down and eat and say man that's a good steak you know you want to impress your buddies when they come over and of course everybody that comes over at dinner is like i want you to cook that comp steak and i'm like no you don't like trust me you don't <laughs> i mean it's a good one bite steak it but, is but most of the time i'm not gonna lie most of the time they're so salty that that you can't sit down and eat a whole steak like that it's like it's like our comp barbecue it's so over the top that you can't because you got to think sca those judges they're just getting one bite of your steak they're not sitting there making a meal off of it and so you got to stand out a little bit above because all them steaks are going to taste about the same. So I think you need—that's the one area where you have to—you have to be a little bit saltier. You you do you have to basically knock them down. I mean, this is what I I think. And we made the mistake a couple of weekends ago. We uh some of Emily's coworkers and good friends wanted to come over to eat, and they were like, you know, I want the comp steak. So I was like, all right, I'm gonna give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, we all sat down at the dinner table, and I took a bite. I knew what it was supposed to do. I mean, it burned, and oh, I was man. like, man, that's salty. And they both like, man, that's a really good steak, you know. And at first, second bite, they're like, man, that's great. About three or four bites in, they done slowed down and went to the potatoes, you know. And they was eating other stuff. And I'm like, it's salty. And she's like, yeah, that's real salty. I'm like, it's all right. I've done that to Shell here a couple times lately. She's like, man, you can't cook a steak anymore. All your steaks <laughs> are all of them. Steaks. Yeah, all yeah. of them taste like comp steaks. It's like she don't even like it when I do them anymore. I have to, I have to let her come season hers now. It's hard to she's back down from it. You, yeah. know, you get in the habit. Like the just, last steak he cooked, it was really good. Well, we were back you know, down, and you, yeah. know, you salt the steak for 30 minutes, and then you take them out and rinse that off, and then you put some other stuff on them, and then you put the AP on them, and then you put the hot rub on them. By the time you got <laughs> think of all this stuff you've got on there, and that's our comp steak. And then we're finishing it off with the butter, and, man, it really makes it rich. But, hey, I know you got a great... What is the butter that you, that you used to put on steaks, and you cooked for me one time? It was really, really good. It's like a Dijon butter or something. You take a uh, like a Creole mustard or like a stone ground mustard, and you would think mustard on steak would not go, but it works. Um, it's kind of I got the idea from this restaurant right here in town, Boncebo. They do that Creole hollandaise, and I love it. But I'm not the best at making hollandaise, so I just substitute the egg for butter. And we started toying with that and adding pepper, and it's just a stick of butter with like two tablespoons of Creole mustard, and it works. I mean, to me, it. It brings out that mustard. I guess it's tart. You know, it brings out so much of that beef flavor in it. I mean, it does really well. And I've actually used it in contests and plays fairly well with it. You just got to kind of watch. If you are going to do that in a contest, it does have a lot of, like, particles in it. So you do kind of need to strain it to where it's more of a – you don't notice it on the steak. Mm-hmm. But at home, man, a tablespoon of that on each steak, it's awesome. It's do you great. let it, like, set back up and – Get, you know, solidify. You wear it's a little bit thick, and then, yeah. you know, when you do your last flip, just put a tablespoon on it, let it melt on the grill, and it's it's really good. So you don't even know it's mustard. No. Well, see, the horseradish flavor kind of goes with beef. I like it with, yeah. like, you know, with, with the prime rib or anything like that. So why wouldn't it go... Um, with the with the steak, I mean, I could see I could see that working. I mean, it's not I know it's not overpowering. You probably no. don't even know it's there, but you would never know it's mustard. And I've had people, you know, that's come over and ate with us. They're like, man, we hate mustard. You're eating it on that ribeye. If you didn't know you it, didn't already. even know it. Yeah, yeah. you don't slop that plate, but you hate <laughs> mustard. You know. Well, let's talk about how you cook your steaks at home. It's usually, you know, just depending. I mean, most time it's like an AP, something simple come back with a lot of pepper and i'm i'm a rare guy i like it as close to rare to where it's almost like barely cooked you know so, uh, so you're you're not the medium sca no, guideline you're no more, that's, so that's what that's SCA is trying to cook one medium you know that's my biggest struggle and you know a lot of times we'll you know we'll get a good quality ribeye and you know finish it salt pepper garlic just something simple you know and then finish with a good butter i want to duplicate that wagyu butter we had at morton's 
Wow, yeah. That was well, I would love to stuff. take like a roasted bone marrow and mix in a butter and finish on the steak. If you could get some what, some Wagyu marrow bones, some melt like it down that. and then mix it with some butter and maybe a little bit a little spoon of that Dijon or something just to brighten it up a little bit. I'm I'm like I that way on barbecue, really you know. I think it's how you finish it. It's not how you start it. Yeah. You put whatever on the front and they all taste similar, it's how you finish it. And that's the reason, you know, at home we just do a simple butter. Um we've even went to the point of like like a soy sauce lemon juice mixture, just something to, you know, change every now and then, something different. And what's your go to grill? What are you cooking over? Briquettes, lump? What's, what's the setup? Man, most of the time it was, you know, briquettes. It's hard to beat charcoal, you know, but I'm not going to lie. Since we started cooking on this pellet grill, uh, that's, it's too simple. So you're cooking steaks on a pellet grill? Yes. And with grill grates. With grill grates, and you can't beat it. I mean, huh. what temperature do you get it up to? Believe it or not, I just set the pellet grill to like 475, 480, but your grate temp's 600 all day. Yeah. And, you know, I guess if grill grates just soak up so much of the heat and transfer it, I guess like infrared, it, it does great. And, I mean, we'll run it, you know, minute 30, minute 30 on all your twists and, you know, pull it off 125 and it's... See, I've done it before on my Yoder because it had like the little trap door you could take out of the diverter and it actually lets you cook right over that fire pot. And, you know, you lay your grill grates on there and they get... the. I noticed that um, it's it's hotter right there over them, just like you think it would be. But over on the side, it doesn't do it. But on that griller, you're getting even heat all the way across it. It might be 50 degrees great temp from left to right. Yeah. And that's nothing. I mean, when you're cooking five, 600 degrees, 50 degrees ain't going to matter. Right. And I've been sold on it. I mean, we cook on it probably five nights a week. And, you know, we done it at win. You know, we wanted to say, hey, I want to compare it to, you know, cooked over charcoal. And we all laid our extra steak out, and you could not pick them out. I mean, I, 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 I tried it. Yeah, I thought. I mean, I thought it had great flavor. I mean, I couldn't tell. Couldn't tell a, diff- a bit of difference over it co- coming off the PK off the grilla. The grill marks were identical, if not, you know, even better. Yeah, maybe. they. It's to me, it's a lot. I mean, of course, it's a cleaner fire. You know that because I mean, you're just. It's such a small fire. It's putting so many BTUs out that it's going to be a cleaner fire. But that's what the SCA is so great about is if you got heat, cook. You know, don't let a grill limit you not cooking a steak contest. And, you know, there's not, I don't guess there's, well, there is now, there's a lot of more pellet grills kind of coming out and cooking they say, which I think is awesome. I've right. seen, yeah, uh, Peggy, Peggy Grimes. What's her team name? Right. PDQ, yeah, she's cooking on the rectangle. Cleaning the house with and every time, I've Every time I've seen her cook, she's been in the top ten with a pellet grill. That's one of those small rectangles, so. I and think you got, I would say, man, you got third place over in win. That's probably the highest I remember of anybody on the pellet grill. I may be wrong, but I would say so far. And I would I would bet that you're going to win one with it this year. That's the goal. I mean, I like the fact. So you're going to keep cooking? You're going to oh, keep yeah. bringing a pellet grill? Grill is going to be at every one from now on. There's no doubt. <laughs> yeah. And How many can you get on a grilla? I would say to have room to do your twist and actually have like a spot reheating after you pick up from that one spot i would say you probably do eight ribeyes pretty easy Heck, that's more than we can do on the pk because yeah. i mean i'd probably be comfortable just doing four and that's not cramming i mean yeah, when, room. like i said we don't win i got mine off cleaned the grates and jamie was right behind me you know go he on. was ready yeah. to go on and it never faced it i mean it might have dropped 10 degrees each time you open the lid close the lid to do the twist or flip or whatever and it rolled on i mean i was i was very impressed the I guess the biggest thing is that you set it and forget it. And, I mean, you set it to 450, and your great temp's where it should be. You're not worried about lean. You're not worried about everything. So it kind of takes that element out to where you can focus on your cook. And that's the biggest thing, you know, is paying attention to that steak, making sure you don't miss a step and not have to worry about the grill missing a step. So you're getting rid of your PKs now? Oh, no. They're going to cook on charcoal anymore? It's... Matter of fact, I'm probably gonna fire the PK up this afternoon. Yeah. But it's I just like it because there's a lot of people out there who say it can't be done. And you, I don't you, like you the like challenge. challenge. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. tell me it can't be done. I'm just gonna try. Yeah. Like, but it's I think it's gonna be a good thing. I think you're gonna see several pellet grills come out and really start chasing the steak win. I wouldn't doubt it. That's a huge market right now. I mean, pellet grills are booming. Yeah. So, do you marinate your steak at all? When I grew, when I was growing up, my dad would always marinate the steaks in Worcestershire sauce, and that's what I remember. And I still kind of like that steak. <laughs> do you do you marinate any? No or comp or at home. Not really. I mean, we used to. Of course, 
I guess when I first started cooking, you know, everybody's like, man, you got to have Dale's Italian dressing on everything, you know. <laughs> that was it, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, that was the only thing you needed. And you quickly learn that you can get the same flavor with a dry rub, just letting it sit and sweat down, you know. It's going to do the same thing. And I usually like to at least have the rub sit on for at least an hour, you know. That way it does sweat and break down, and you do notice it kind of softens that steak up and tenderizes it. And I'm I'm a sweet fan. I like sweet on steak, and I used to not think that. I was like, man, sugar's not made for steak. But when you get that perfectly cooked fat, it's already sweet. And to me, that sugar just brings that flavor out. And it's not really, you're not really tasting the sweet. But, I mean, we all run some kind of barbecue rub when we finish our steak. So... I think it brings out another element and kind of candies that fat to where that fat's even better. You know, to me it is. Maybe that's why you're doing so well in steak contests, putting a little touch of sweet that's I mean, something different. To yeah. That and the color comes back. I mean, you get a lot better color with a little bit of barbecue rub on there, something that's not just salt and pepper. If you do just straight salt and pepper and don't have extremely hot fire, it's a gray-looking steak. You yeah. Know, it's it's kind of flat-looking. So you like that, the way it kind of caramelizes yeah. it a little bit, changes the outside. I do think that looks better. Yeah, I've always thought your hot rub. Yeah, it makes it real pretty it, on yeah. the outside. Yeah, it gives it, it gives it more of an appealing look, you know, yeah. than just gray meat laying there. I mean, you still get your dark grill lines and all that with the grill grates, but it just gives it a little bit better surface look. But we marinated home. I mean, it's, I, I guess you do to me, yeah, it depends <laughs> on the flavor I'm going for, you know, if I... If we're cooking steak for like an Asian salad or something, I'm gonna use I'm gonna use like a, a soy based marinade, really get some good flavors on there. And sometimes you you like that old style Worcestershire marinated steak. I'll have to agree with you. I'm 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 not gonna knock it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it might be just nostalgic, but there's something about it. You marinate it, you put just a little bit of seasoning on it, cook it to medium rare or closer to rare and put a little butter. I mean, there's on still a ton it. of teams. I mean there's I would say probably at least half, if not more, all marinating. I would think. And it wins. I yeah. mean, it's it's a good steak. I've never been a fan of it just because we got too good a rub, you know. We got AP and we got everything else to pick from. You got why use a liquid? Yeah, why use a liquid? But I don't knock it. I mean, it was, it's a, what's that steakhouse in Corinth? Oh, uh, Russell's Beef House. I love it. <laughs> like, that's, I've never gone there. Yeah, Russell's. Love it. Oh, man. It's just if you like marinated, Yeah, if you like some marinated steak, they use about, a, I, I would bet, 55 gallons a week. Yeah. As much they go through because, man, everything's got it on But to me, it's that good old you don't school have to, steak. I'll tell you what, they don't have to use any seasoning. No. It's got so much so much flavor in the marinade. There's no having to put uh, AP or anything else on there. But what about, okay, let me ask you this. Y'all ever do flat irons? Oh, yeah. Because I love a good flat iron. I think a flat iron, you have to have a marinade. Really? I think it's such a dense cut that it doesn't soak up a rub like a ribeye does. I mean, you can put a rub on it. It's still great, but it's just still still kind of flat, you know. And you got me turned on to, like, doing the that steak and chop or, you know, soy sauce or, like you say, a dark Worcestershire and just let it soak and giving it a couple hours. To me, it gets a lot more flavor. Being It's, it's almost like a brisket dense, you know. It's yeah. it's. And you can cook one of them to 140 and cut it, and it's still raw looking on the middle. That's what's crazy about those. So I, I like the, well, one thing is they're inexpensive. You catch them on sale all the time. You can get a flat iron steak for eight or nine bucks, and it'll feed two people easy. And a lot of times we just have them for dinner, and we'll take it. I'll jacquard it, kind of tenderize it, because you're right, it is so dense. And then jacquard it and drop it in a marinade for an hour, and then go grill it hot and fast. It could go and, two hours in a marinade. Yeah, I don't think, I mean, I don't know if you could marinate it too long. I mean, even overnight, it's such, it's so dense. But uh, I think it's a great cut to, to to have a quick dinner or something like that. And I probably wouldn't order a flat iron out at a restaurant, but um, definitely for eating at home, man, we love a flat iron. They make, they make great fajitas or tacos. We do them, we use them for that all the time. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what we, you know, we kind of go to the fajita style because you can slice it and it's great on tacos. Mm-hmm. We'll take the AP. And take like a half a shaker and put three or four tablespoons of that hot chipotle, just straight chipotle powder. And it is excellent on a flat iron. I mean, it's spicy. It's hot. You don't want to sit there and just eat it. But as far as on a taco with some guacamole and cilantro, it's excellent. No, well, that's got me ready for Yeah, lunch. I know. <laughs> You're talking my language now. I'm all about some guacamole and cilantro. Well, you ever, so I guess this year... The number one video, I didn't never had any idea that it would do it, that we did, was that big tomahawk. 
And man, it's it's done blowed up. Have you ever have you ever done one of those on the grill? I haven't done one quite that extravagant. Yeah. Uh, that was that was a heck of a heck of a steak. Um, we do. We've done a few tomahawks, and I mean, I like a bone-in ribeye. Don't get me wrong; it's it's great. But when I'm at home, I don't have to deal with bone. You know, just I just want a good steak. But I love the fact, like the rosemary and the butter, like basing that steak and really babysitting it. You know, is a whole another element. And we do that a lot too. You know. We'll do like a little rosemary, like brush, tie it with some twine and, you know, dip it in your butter. And we've done, you know, brown butter before. Like have your sprigs of rosemary in the bowl, have the brown butter coming off the pot and pour it in the bowl and let it cook that rosemary as that brown butter's cooking off. And it's really good. And It's like an infused yeah. brown butter. Well, yeah. but that is I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the brown butter. I've always, I love it. So how do you make your brown butter? I start off with the, the black label European and... It's Land of Lakes, isn't it? Yeah. Then who makes that? Land of Lakes, I think so. It's not the the high dollar fancy fancy butter, but I mean it's it's good quality butter. Um, I seem to think that you know it don't it caramelizes better without burning. And I'll do it on low heat. I won't I won't start it off hot. I'll run the oven, you know, medium low heat, and do it slow and just constantly stir it like you're making caramel. And then right as soon as you smell it and it starts turning, it gets that nuttiness yeah. kind. Of, you can you can tell, yeah. And then that's when I'll just pour in a bowl and let it sit and keep stirring it as it's cooling. That way all your little burn-ins will stay yeah. in that butter and stay floating. And once it solidifies... That's where know. most of your flavor oh, yeah. is. Oh, you like all that. So you, yeah. See, I've always let it kind of separate and try to pour that yeah. off. I mean... But, but you I, don't want it too nutty and flavoring. Yeah. But I, I mean, maybe I'm, doing, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I need to leave all that in there. <laughs> that's where you get the flavor from. It's so. definitely got definitely have to be salted butter. Yeah. To me, I mean, the other butter browns, but you're missing that element. You know, it needs the salt. You know, I never really understood that because even when you're baking, you'll see people say use unsalted butter. Then they put a pinch of salt back in at the end for something, for bread or cookies or anything. If you're making yeah. a cake, you always just put a pinch of salt. Just use salted butter. Maybe I just like <laughs> just salt. Just do both. Butter. That's what <laughs> Don't you do, do both. <laughs> No, I always buy this. I'm very, I don't never buy the unsalted butter. I want it flavored. Yeah, I mean, a lot of times I'm adding to it. I mean, like you say, we'll cut up and parsley and then mix in some shallot with it, some AP, really kick it up. It makes a, I mean, a compound butter, but it is really, really good when you're using it on steaks or something like that. I think any fresh herb goes well with beef. I mean, yeah. if you mix it with a little bit of butter, like say garlic, that herb just kind of wakes it up mm-hmm. a little bit where it's not as heavy feeling, I guess mm-hmm. you'd say. And it, you can get a little too heavy with it. We've had some stuff that we've over infused, well, but yeah. but uh, if you keep it light like that, it, it really adds a. Well, I mean, I like a chimichurri. You don't get any more herby than a chimichurri sauce, and it. I mean, it's just pretty much parsley and and what else we put. Uh, Cilantro, is it cilantro and parsley that I made the really good one with? I think so. Yeah. And man, but I mean, it's you know, it's herb city. It's yeah. a ton of it, but it goes so good with rare beef. And That's I like I like to take iron, that. Too. Yeah, the flat irons with some chimichurri. Oh man. Put it on chicken wings. <laughs> yeah, see, I've never done I've never been <laughs> excellent. Never, chimichurri on chicken wings. See, I've never tried that. I've always done it with red meat. Red meat. I mean, Do you marinate? Mm-hmm. You marinate I'll, make, I'll make a double batch of y'all's recipe. Use one to marinate, kind of like a long overnight brine. Yeah. It comes out, of course, all that parsley just stuck on the outside of the wing. Put it on the drum, no heat deflector, and all that parsley just basically cooks on it and then I run it through just like you do hot wings and I'll add like one or two jalapenos and dice them up to where it kind of brings in a little heat and they're excellent hot wings it's totally different it doesn't all burn up on the outside mm-hmm. it? it's still it's kind of a weird looking wing now I'm not gonna lie I mean, you walk up looking <laughs> plate and you got a green chicken wing I mean you're like ah, green chicken wing I think I'll go the other way but no it is excellent it's I gotta try that I like the way that the herbs get when they get charred they have such a good flavor like when Mark did the um yeah, the splits, yeah, the, the uh, uh, spatchcock chickens yeah. on the red box. Heck yeah. Now, if, if they do like that, like that little herb nest, that would be, I know it brings a ton of flavor to the it bottom does. side of the chicken. You'll have to come over and cook it for us yeah. and show us. Heck yeah. We'll make a video of that one. <laughs> show me, Mark. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. yeah. I already got it lined out. Well, what other steaks do y'all like to cook? Your porterhouse man? No. See, I'm not a big strip guy. I don't really? like a strip, and I don't. I mean, fillet's good, but I'm not going to go to like a T-bone or. So that used to be my go-to cut. I was always eating strips. I just why? 
I thought it was more meat for your money because yeah. it's not this, <laughs> it's all pure meat. And yeah. so when I went out, that's what I was ordering. I was ordering strips, medium rare. I mean, I still want you know, I still want to see a lot of that good uh, juice coming out of it, and that's how I like to eat them. But we don't really do them anymore. I did one the other day for that recipe. I did the surf and turf, but uh, it was excellent too. I don't know. I will say, like doing a whole cut, like a whole ribeye or a whole New York strip. I'll pick the New York strip whole cut over the ribeye. I think you render more of that fat in that strip than you can that ribeye. And to me, it eats better. Now, now if I'm doing... It's cheaper, it, too. Yeah, yeah, it is. Now, if I'm just eating a steak, I'm a ribeye filet. Like, if I could get... If you could make a T-bone with a ribeye on one side of it, <laughs> there you strip, you'd have me. Bone-in ribeye, just have a filet on there the side. Go. That's the best of both worlds. Well, have you ever done the spinalis steaks? Have you seen those at Costco where they're, I've done they take the spinalis and tie them up? Once or twice. And, I mean, they're great. I mean, they're... They're excellent, but they're almost too rich. Really? Like, you're not going to sit down and think you're going to eat a whole steak of a spinalis. I'm I've sorry. never tried them. When, when we went to buy them, we've always not had them prepped up. So that's I mean, one thing on my list to do, and I really want to do a video on it because I guess a lot of people probably had not seen it. Costco is about the only place I see them, and they don't have them all the time. But We've done it on a sausage and cheese plate. So basically take the spinalis that's not rolled up, cut it down into strips, and just sear it off real quick and cut it like Bernie's. And it's oh little gosh. cubes of ribeye, wow. and you just put toothpicks in it on a sauce and cheese plate, and it is excellent. This is I mean, a, like an appetizer portion. Yeah, yeah it yeah. is. Because, I mean, that's really, you're not going to sit down and eat a whole 12-ounce piece of ribeye cab. I mean, if you do, you're done. You're going to be sick as a dog. Yeah. yeah. But as it far is the as, best part of the people steak. People come up and say, this sausage is delicious. Oh, yeah, they're like, what kind of sausage is that? And I'm like, the best kind. Just <laughs> eat it. The best kind, yeah. <laughs> you heard but, of Williams. The other Williams sausage. <laughs> yeah, we use beef. All right, so we talked about steaks. What about some sides that y'all like to cook? I know uh, Emily's big on doing sides on the grill, and you are too. So what's some of the stuff that, that uh, y'all, you reckon, like if you're going to have a steak dinner, what's some sides that, that y'all would have at your house? Got to have asparagus. Asparagus Always, with the, with the steak? Have asparagus. Yeah. Um, Emily makes a, she takes a red wine reduction and does mushrooms and shell. You do that a lot. So I think she may have kind of stole some of your tips off your recipe <laughs> to make hers but you gotta have mushrooms to me mushrooms and if you can have like a good sauce to go with the mushrooms just it complements it well and of course you gotta have baked potato so that's where the shells butter and Worcestershire comes into play yeah so you can do the, the mushrooms with that and you get your flavors and dip your steak in it i do that a lot yeah i mm-hmm. make my Worcestershire mushrooms and then just serve Kind of keep make sure there's plenty of sauce in that to serve with the steaks. Are you doing just regular baked potatoes, or what kind of potatoes we, are we talking? We've been doing a lot of the, uh, like, we'll do, like, cream potatoes and make a simple cream potato, and then we'll bring in, like, chives and bacon bits and brown butter and sour cream, and then we'll put them in a cast iron skillet, slide them on the pellet grill. And let them finish on the pellet grill. Twice baked baked potato or twice baked mashed potatoes. And it'll get to where the cheese That's, comes off the top, and it's like a cobbler almost, like crust on the outside <laughs> of that cheese. You you got my attention now, man. Because we'll just like because with the cast iron, you know, you can if you're trying to serve people, you can pull it out. It's gonna stay hot. You know, Heck yeah. So anything you can, anytime you can do cast iron, you're serving something that works great. We'll cook it up front, slide it out of the way, put it over on stove top, just let it sit while we're doing steaks, and it's still bubbling. I mean, it'll bubble for five minutes in that cast iron. But it's it's good. I'm yeah. trying that. I, I'm really trying that. It's, it's like mean, a twice baked potato, but better. I mean, because a lot of times you go to a restaurant, and they're like, "Oh, we got twice baked potatoes that are dry." Yes, that's what you said. They're always dry. You put a couple of tablespoons of brown butter, and you know, do paladine, a whole other stick on top of it. You're good to go. <laughs> you know, and instead of putting it back in the half potatoes, let it go in the cast iron. Because does it get kind of crunchy around the, the edge? It just will. It'll oh, be a crust. Yeah. So Sometimes you can like almost cut it like a pie. Yeah, and it's really. That's usually our go-to, and I think you got to have some vegetables. You got to lighten it up, and can't all be no calories. I love my steak, but you got to have something light in there. (laughs) And I'm not opposed to sauces. Like I ain't talking about a one. I'm talking about making like a good, like a blue cheese sauce or that boars and cheese sauce. Oh yeah, just something to complement your steak. How do you make boars and cheese sauce? Because I've had yours, and it's very good. We take the little wheel of boars and cheese that you get over there. Kind of by the deli. Cheese section in yeah. the grocery store. And you just roll it out in a pan and take about a cup of heavy cream or half and half and kind of reduce it and start cooking it. It'll take it forever to melt that boars and cheese. I don't know what they use to make it, 
but it's like tar. I mean, it will not <laughs> melt like regular cheese. But it, you take a whisk and you can get it to turn into a good sauce and just do some real coarse like peppercorns in it. And it's excellent. It, it just favors, drizzle it right over the stove. Oh, yeah. It favors any red meat. You know, we've done it that day with duck breast. And that's, it was excellent, you know. I don't think it would go good with any kind of light meat at all because it's pretty strong. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you're not going to want to go talk to nobody right after you eat it. Well, I'm a fan of blue cheese on steak. I mean, I love it. So I know that sauce would be great because it is, it's kind of, I mean, Borges is not a blue cheese, but it's, it has that, you know, strong, and yeah, that and flavor of it. Herbs. You know, it's a little bit stronger cheese. I mean, it, it really goes, I guess it has a tanginess that goes, that kind of brings out a different level in that meat that you're cooking. So. You know, I like a good filet Oscar sauce to go on top of a steak. Oh, man, when you option. add the crab yeah. to it. It's like, what is it, like a holiday sauce that they I top, so. top like, lump blue crab meat? Yeah, it's definitely a, a creamy, you know, yeah. sauce. See, I like the, the Bernays or the Hollandaise. Those are great steak sauces, too. They bring a creaminess, and, and it's like a butteriness that, that they bring to it. And when you're doing asparagus with it, you know, a lot of times asparagus is topped with Hollandaise. Right. And so it's, it goes really great with it. You, I think you're the one that turned me on that because I think it was Capital Grill had that special. And we oh, went there yeah. for our anniversary, and you're like, you got to get that. I think Emily got it, and I was like, you want to share some of that? That's pretty good. Well, another one that we like is when we do the spinach. And it's like, um, it's almost like a, a cheesy, not spinach dip. It's like a souffle almost. Yeah, and Shell, you do it. You, you, can, you, do it. you don't necessarily do it in a cast iron. Most of the time you do it in like a casserole dish. Yeah. But it's just a hot, creamy, cheesy spinach that goes real good with steak. It was a, a Ina Gardner recipe, actually, was that it? I kind of modified. <laughs> yeah. yeah, all right. Added a little extra. I, I southerned it up a little bit. There you go. <laughs> a little extra butter, a little extra cheese. <laughs> and it's just using, like, chopped frozen spinach, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll have to get that recipe out. We need to do that one. We need to do that one on the smoker, because that would be a really good to do, like, if you're doing steak night or something, and you need a side to go with it. Because it's another one that you could prepare day before I keep it in the refrigerator pop it on the grill cast iron would probably do it some real justice too and one recipe that I want, wanted to try is to get the uh, potatoes and um, run them on the mandolin and put them out almost like a gratin you know yeah yeah, that, that would that be really would, good yeah, yeah. that would go good with steaks. steaks too yeah like a cheesy potato gratin mm-hmm. that's kind of what Mark, what Mark was describing to me when, they, when he used the mashed potatoes you, I was thinking like if you could parboil those potatoes a little bit just soften them and then layer them in a cast iron and do all the stuff that you're talking to, that'd be pretty good. You can't go wrong with potatoes, cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Butter. Yeah, good. Red meat. Y'all do mac and cheese, do you? Not at, no, we don't do shell mac and cheese, and I'm going to get in trouble when I get home for saying <laughs> that. But we do do mac and cheese. Uh, Emily makes a very good cheese sauce, and uh, I think it's a sauce that her granddad used to make. That's when I met her. That was every meal was... Spaghetti noodles and cheese sauce. I'm like, it's just mac and cheese with noodles. I'm like, no, it's better than that. I'm like, okay. All right. Did they have Velveeta in it or was it like real cheddar cheese? No, she, they make a, like a roux. So they'll take heavy cream and flour and, you know, kind of start making a roux with butter and then they'll bring their cheese in. It's, it is good, but it's missing one thing and that's the mayonnaise, Shell. You gotta have the mayonnaise. Well, Shell won't let me use Velveeta. It's always gotta be, you gotta have butter, flour. Cream, you got to mix it down. You got to put mayonnaise in it. That's like, man, come on, man, we grew up on Velveeta. No, Velveeta puts weight on you. I'm not a Velveeta fan. Velveeta is good for rotel, and that's it. Yeah. Oh man, come Me on. Too. I don't like that processed cheese flavor. Oh, it's so good. I you, make you some things with Velveeta occasionally. When you can chew cheese and it's still the same consistency as it was when you took it out of the package, you're not supposed to eat it. <laughs> or you can leave it in the pantry. You don't even yeah. have to refrigerate it. Yeah. <laughs> It's not really cheese is what you're telling me. I don't care, Mark. It's good. So, Mark, what are you serving for July 4th? What plans do you have for July 4th coming up? I might have to go with ribs. We'll probably do some type of rib. Um, usually Friday night, you know, or the night before. I guess you say it's not on Friday this year, yeah. but we'll do a steak. You know, I got I to gotta stay on top of my steak game. I can't let the <laughs> queen beat me every weekend. So, How but, often do you cook steaks, by the way? We've sla- I'm not going to lie, we've slacked the last few weeks. I haven't done as many. But well, we've been on the road. Yeah, so. we've been hustling, but on an average, when we're getting ready, if we got a steak contest that weekend, we're going to do at least two or three weeks. And I'm not, I'm taking them to work, giving them to my guys or you know somebody I work with or anything like that. I'm not eating them every night. I'll take one bite, and all right, that's a good steak, and I'll cut it up and carry it to work. But, except the one night I cooked on the pellet grill. 
The first night we tried it, we was like, I'm going to take this to work. I'm not eating it. We took one bite. Me and her stood there as counter ate the whole steak. And I was like, <laughs> we might be on to something, you know. But you got to stay on top of your game. You yeah. can't you can't get rusty, you know. And there's too many good steak cooks out there. And I know we're all part of the steak team, but I love beating Malcolm. I mean, <laughs> but it's it's yeah, all in good fun. And well, what, what kind of ribs are you cooking? Are you cooking baby backs, loin, uh, spares, what? We'll probably do spares. I'm a, I, I like baby backs, and I don't know, after last weekend in Bristol, those baby backs, I might cook baby backs. Those are good. They, those were probably the best baby backs I've ever ate. But I'm a spare guy. I like the extra fat. It's almost it's like bacon. Like, yeah, it's like bacon with a handle. Or it's the ribeye <laughs> of the pork world, yeah. isn't it? I mean, spare ribs, they kind of remind you of ribeye steak. They got all that fat in them. And, Juiciness, so I mean, God, that's where it's at. So, are you doing all the you doing the cooking for the family? Or are you gonna y'all got plans? Or um, we'll probably do some of it. Daddy kind of likes to rule the roost when it comes to Fourth of July cooking. You know, like every dad. I mean, put your tube socks on your new balances, and he's ready to cook Fourth of July. But now we usually, I'll usually bring a good side. If we go to somebody's, like if I go to my family or her family's, we'll. You know, I'll do a good side, you know, sausage cheese plate or, you know, something like that. Like, let let the dad of the house do the main meat, you know. Yeah. Hopefully next year, you know, maybe one day I'll be the dad of the house and I'll get to put my tube socks on and <laughs> I'll get to do the main course, you know. <laughs> I love it. Well, there's a few questions that I've been asking every guest that comes on here. Um, what is your must-have barbecue tool? And this can be for comp, for at home, whatever. What are you cooking with? And it, you, you can have a few if you need to. As far as tool, yeah, I'm lost without thermal pen. You gotta it's, have it. I mean, okay, with so we've we'll asked him four saying, times. Yeah. Besides the thermal pen, <laughs> I mean, the part, he's right, man. Hey, that's yeah. what, you gotta have it because I mean, fire's fire. You know, I love mold hickories, and you know, we compete KCBS. That's what we're cooking on, and you know, that's that makes us to where we can consistently turn out the same product. But in the end of game. It's fire is fire. So if you got heat, you can cook. But you can easily overcook or undercook without a good thermal pen or something to, you know, test your texture or whatever. And that's my tool is thermal pen. This weekend you were using your thermal pen to check the temperature of the chicken and also use it to get it off. I mean, it works like with the pigtail, too. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't make a thermal pen a little crook on the yeah. end. It'll be good. I can answer that one for Mark, though. It's his knives. Uh, even if I ask him to come over and, and help me do something, he's going to bring his own knives and bring his own sharpener. <laughs> oh, your knives are dull, Malcolm. I got to bring a sharpener. <laughs> no. But you got to have a good knife. I mean, I'll have to agree with that. I mean, I don't think people realize how much it takes to show up and cook a contest or show up and cook for anybody. You know, you don't know what you're going, you know, what you're going to run into when you get there. And if you're going to help your buddy cook at the house, you really don't know what they got in the cabinet and you know what you got to have to pull your weight. So bring it with you, you know, that's one lesson we learned when we went out to Vegas, we were going out there uh, and we flew. So we didn't bring anything, but we got out there and everybody else were brought their, you know, their hand saver gloves and had their thermo pins and had their apron <laughs> and a knife, you know, they all had all packed that stuff. And we were like, Oh, we didn't get that memo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now we know. We made it happen. Though. Yeah. But yeah, you know, and I'm like that too, Mark. I keep a tote that's kind of like my cooking tote, and I know what's in there. And so if I'm going to somebody's house, hey, I'm going to throw that in the truck. That way I'd leave. And I might not break it out when I get to their house, but if it comes to a point where I need to go get my knife. You brought your tote to the crawfish cook. So, I mean, (laughs) you didn't know what you might run into. That's right. You have to, man. You got to stay prepared. You got to be ready to go on the fly. I mean, if I'm flying, of course you can't. Yeah. I'm not going <laughs> to pack my tote and check it in the bag and all that. But There's a lot of time. If I'm driving somebody or somebody's house like that or anything, I'm going I'm to have my supplies. We'll get invited to somebody's cookout. And Emma's like, what are you doing? I'm like, taking my stuff just in case. You know? <laughs> like it's I got, cookout. Yeah, I got one of them little old hickory bags we got like a gift. I just throw stuff in it, carry it. And I won't bring it out. Like, I'll play it normal. And we'll get in there like, man, I don't know if the chicken is done. I'm like, I got you. Hang on. <laughs> you got the rubber? No. What do you need that for? I'm like, well, if you, I'm, I'm going to eat your chicken. I'm pretty much going to make sure it's done, you know? <laughs> oh, cool. You're that well, guy. Hey, man, I'm going to blame you on that. If you've ever been chicken sick, you'll yeah. be that guy, too. <laughs> you'll learn quick. I have done it. Well, what's your favorite barbecue restaurant you've ever been to? Doesn't have to be local. 
It doesn't have to be, but I think it is. I'm not gonna lie, Central downtown. Is. Central Barbecue. I never ate there until we started doing a barbecue live class there, and I'm hooked on their dry ribs and their wings. I mean, it's just sit down, good eating, you know. And a lot of times, the pad. I mean, of course, we go to a barbecue restaurant. I'm like, I'm not ordering barbecue because <laughs> you 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 kind of have high hopes, and you don't really want to be disappointed. But you're sick of eating barbecue too. But I love a good dry rib, and Central's got probably one of the better ones I've ate at a restaurant, you know. Their wings are my favorite. That's what I always get there. They're smoked wings. For what is it you get for lunch? It's a, some kind of salad they do that you. That every yeah. time I've been with you, you've got that. Their smoked chicken salad smoked, is excellent. Yeah. And I think they got like a homemade Italian dressing that goes with it. That's you wouldn't. American. You wouldn't think that that the, you know a smoked chicken. It's not like chicken salad kind of you need a chicken salad sandwich. It's like a chef salad, and they put like cover it in smoked chicken, and tomatoes, it, cheese, onions, everything, and it's just a. You can't eat it all. I mean, yeah, it's, it's huge. You know, if you do a good a good salad at a barbecue place, it's got to be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Mark, tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. We're on all the social media. Uh, it's Swine Life BBQ, and you can find us on our website as well, SwineLifeBBQ.com. Yeah. Um, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and I mean, try the rub. Tell, tell us about your rub. Yeah, we haven't talked about the Mississippi grind. Yeah. Mississippi Ground was a long working process. <laughs> it was a, I don't know what was worse, trying to fine tune the recipe or trying to come up with a name, but they both are pretty strenuous. But we uh, we worked with that for a couple of years and we've run it on ribs and pork for, I guess, two years now. And finally last year, Malcolm started poking, hey, y'all need to do something with that instead of just making it every weekend. So we started filling with the coat packer and doing the samples and it took us about six months, I guess, to get it finally in a shaker. Was like that's ours, you know. But we love it. I mean, it's been it's a unique rub. It's a little different than your standard barbecue rub. It's a lot more savory notes. Um, it's got a little bit of lemon and stuff like that in it. So it's a little different taste, but it pairs well with anything. It goes good with the AP. It goes good with anybody else's, you know, barbecue rub. And that was kind of our goal: is to be a universal rub that you could pair with the barbecue rub. You could pair with. A beef rub, you know, and we use it on steaks. I mean, we run it every steak contest, and it's been kicking butt too. Yeah, not even. I mean, barbecue and steaks. I mean, you've got all kinds of people using it now. So you sell. I see you sell a lot of it at steak contests. People come up like, "Yeah, I hear that's doing good." Sell me a bottle. You win one steak contest and just mention you used it, and it's like people are at your trailer when you get back. That's the barbecue world, though. Yeah, (laughs) channel blame. We do it too. Hey, no. No, I want people using mine too. So. <laughs> Does it pair with it, Mark? <laughs> oh, perfectly. <laughs> Good. Well, Mark, man, we appreciate it. Um, um, thanks for coming out, spending some time with us. Good luck to y'all out there the rest of this year. I know uh, y'all, y'all going to have a successful year. Uh, we're going to go to the World Foods with you and, and hope to be out in Fort Worth too. I still got to win my ticket. I hadn't got, I hadn't got that punch yet, but but it's coming. So. Uh, Appreciate you stopping by, you man, and, uh, and always come back. Hope you come back, and we'll do some cooking next time, maybe. We probably will. Yeah. I appreciate y'all. Thank you. Well, that's about it for the podcast, Shell. That was uh, episode fourteen. Appreciate everybody listening today. If uh, you know you like what we're doing, Shell, where can they find us? You can connect with Malcolm at How to Barbecue Right on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and of course YouTube. And you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter at Miss Southern Shell. It's really hard for us to answer all our comments and questions on YouTube. So if you have the comments, if you have the questions, send them to Facebook, send them to Twitter, send them to Instagram. We're going to try to answer all of them. We really do. Um, and like I say, if, 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 uh, if we don't get you the first time, just resend it out until we do because we'll eventually get them answered. And I uh, appreciate everybody out there listening, and we'll see you all next time. Have a happy 4th of July.